Support for this podcast comes from Smartwater. Want to get a little more from every sip? Smartwater Alkaline doesn't just taste crisp and pure. It's loaded with everything you need to perform at your best, whether you're running marathons or boardroom meetings. Elevate how you hydrate and pick up a Smartwater Alkaline today. To learn more, visit drinksmartwater.com. and welcome to episode 62 of the Talking Chop Podcast. I am your host, Brad Rowland. After a little bit of a uh, long absence for you, my friend, uh, we have Eric Cole on the podcast today. What's up, Eric? Yeah, by court order, I wasn't allowed to be on the show for a while. I'm not really sure what happened, but, you know. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you have your own podcast now, so I try to let you do that uh, and not steal you too often. And uh, But, of course, now, now that now the season's rolling on, I need, I need my prospect fixed, too. So uh, you're the person I trust the most on Braves things uh so there you there you go welcome sir i appreciate you doing this absolutely it's good to be here uh we will get to some minor league stuff later on uh and that's but you're also uh, a major league guy as well you do both so uh i i i i've been known to watch the major league club from time to time you, you do you're plugged in uh things are not going do, super do, well do, 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 do they do they still play a turner field is that is that is that, is that, tri- is that the case something else happened yeah they i think they might have moved somewhere uh recently oh. um have you, have you been, by the way? Have you been? Uh, yeah, spot? Uh, yeah. I, I went. I went Easter Sunday. I, I, went, my, I, went, I went. I went the day before, so we were pretty close there. Yeah, it was my daughter's first game, uh, first baseball game ever, actually. So it was. A, it was a really good day. I caught a foul ball. Uh, wow, that is a good yeah. day. Yeah, I th- I'm pretty sure it hit three different people before it got to me, and I didn't even get out of my seat to get it, but it, I got it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, uh, that's good fortune. I've, I've never caught one. This is a, this is something of a sidebar, but I have never caught a ball foul, fair, anything at a baseball game, and I've been to hundreds of them. It's kind of well, bizarre, she, but well, she she knew that my my father in law had gotten balls in batting practice, so she really wanted one. So we went out there in the sun, and for like an hour and a half, and didn't really even come that close. And she started getting upset, and I told her, I'm like, look, I've been to a lot of baseball games, I haven't even come close to getting one. And then literally an Eric Ibar foul ball landed right in front of me. Oh, shouts so, to Eric Ibar, Braves yep. legend. Yep. Thank you, Eric. Appreciate uh, it. <laughs> that's, uh, that's phenomenal. Um, well, things are going better for you than they are for the Braves. That was a segue, a professional segue, we would say, in the business. But nice. uh, the Braves have lost six games in a row. Um, they yep. even things up. Last time we were on the podcast, actually a week ago, um, the team was six and I think five and six or six and six uh, and was scorching hot. And now they are the exact opposite of that after losing six in a row. So, uh, I mean, it's too early to actually like panic and stuff, but today was another brutal loss. Uh, Saturday was brutal in the fact that the Braves came back and took the lead on the, uh, well, tie the game, then took the lead, uh, and then blew it in the bottom half of the 10th. Sunday was a slow bleed as well. Um, there were some positives, but um, back-to-back-to-back home runs in the eighth inning is never never yeah. good. Uh, so, no, it's not good. No. Yeah, I mean... I guess we can just. I guess the easiest way to ask you this is: um, Is it time to panic and jump, jump off bridges, or is this something that's just going to happen uh, from time to time with this team? It, it is certainly not time to panic. But here's the caveat: If something could go wrong for the Braves, it has gone wrong. They've had uh, in Pittsburgh, they had a walk-off home run by a guy who has now been suspended for like 80 games for PED use. <laughs> then we've we, uh, multiple bullpen collapses where like the Braves came back and rallied. And took a lead, only to have it lo- only to have it lost by the bullpen, whether that be Jim Johnson or 
Uh, today was Vizcaino, and there's, there's, there's been multiple culprits here with the bullpen. Uh, and what seems to be a historically bad bench. I mean, every time we need a pinch hitter and like we have like two on or the bases loaded, and then Snicker goes, okay, Emilio Bonifacio, go do your thing. It's, it's, it's painful because you feel like you know what's going to happen. And I, I don't have a great solution to that problem because bench bats are always going to be you know, hit and miss anyway, but ours is really, really bad. So I don't know, maybe with Ryan Howard getting signed and maybe he, he, maybe he can be like a pinch hitter where at the very least you have to kind of be afraid to throw him strikes because he, you know, he's not the player he used to be, but he, you know, he can still hit a ball a long way if you just pipe it down the middle. So I don't know. I mean, the, the way, the way the Braves have lost has felt worse than the, like a six and 10 or a six, 11 record this early doesn't really mean that much to me. Um, and, with it just feels particularly bad because of the way it's happened because you could very easily see five or five of those games ending up being wins for the Braves but because either you know Dansby's luck on balls and play has been awful the bench has been bad um, the bullpen's you know thrown away some games I mean it, they could easily have a winning record night, night, night right now but instead we're just kind of we we get to watch these games where we're like hey this could happen this time oh wait never mind you know it's been peak barves and you don't. It's not. It, that's not a good feeling, and I understand why that's upsetting to some people. But at the same time, they've been in these games, a lot of these games, late, and I feel like some of that's going to even out down the road. Yeah, it could have been much worse, as you're as you're putting it. Um, and the fact that the Braves are, I don't know, they are minus twenty in run differential, so that's not that's not great. But I'm no. I'm also with you in that there's been some opportunities that they've been that they've squandered in uh, in various avenues. I mean, I mean, you look, look at look at today's game, and that's a that's a that's again the guy got out of hand in a hurry there, and even then, even late, they still had another chance with uh, what bases loaded to come back and potentially uh, even things up. So it's a spot where. It's frustrating. Uh, it's been. It was like, I mean, sat, last night, Saturday night, as we record this on Sunday, that game was infuriating just for a yep. number of reasons. Uh, just even the way they lost in the bottom of the tenth with like just balls that were uh, playable, but the plays didn't get made in the field. You know, there's just kind of a. It, it's been something different all well, the time, but it's well, been frustrating. And then, and, and then there's like the CB Buckner game yep. where he could he couldn't figure out how to play. He couldn't do do any aspect of his job well at all <laughs> as an umpire. Uh, and then you have the like you know when you mentioned the run differential, really you can look at. Bryce Harper owning T- Julio Tehran in a game, a bad Bartolo start, and then the game today, and that's almost all of that run deferential. Those are just three losses. You know what I mean? But they it looks bad. <laughs> you know what I mean? Those games were not fun to watch, obviously. But at the same time, with when you're dealing with small sample sizes, things can get look a little wonky, and I'm I'm just not that worried yet. Yeah, I do think run differential is a good indicator later on, but right now it doesn't mean yeah. a whole lot. It's just worth pointing out at least. You mentioned actually, I was we were talking about this later, but let's just get to it now since you mentioned it. Uh, Julio is a guy that I enjoy a great deal, but uh, I, I wrote this down to talk about Bryce Harper and the fact that he just for some reason absolutely owns Julio. Uh, the numbers are kind of staggering. Uh, yeah, it's pretty bad. I'm going to read these off. Uh, 30, 33 career plate appearances against Tehran. Uh, Harper has 15 hits, 7 homers, 17 RBIs, and 5 walks. He has a 455, 538, and a 1,182 slugging percentage. Uh, so, I mean, it's a small sample, but it feels like... I mean, it's Bryce Harper, so there's, there's worse guys to own you. I mean, he's one of the best players in sure. the league, so I, I get it. But, man, it's, it feels like it's even crazier than even the numbers indicate. It's, I'm almost expecting him to go yard every time he, play, every time he faces Tehran. And because Tehran is your best pitcher and this is a divisional opponent, that's kind of a terrifying feeling. Yeah, I feel like Tehran's approach, too, is like he, he kind of 
takes that rivalry personally. Like, you know, like it's an interdivision rival, and obviously Bryce Harper is both a very, very, very talented player and also not a particularly well-liked one. And Braves fans, and I'm sure that the Braves players just want to, like, you know, just blow him, just blow the ball past him and be done with him. Um, I just don't think Tehran has that stuff, and I feel like he's pretty aggressive the way he pitches to him. Just kind of like, you know, pitches that are kind of like middle in and then, you know, just daring him to hit it. And Bryce Harper, I mean, Bryce is a lot of things, and he is a guy that you can definitely, there's holes that you can take advantage of at times. But he's not the kind of guy you can just, like, pipe it in the strike zone and not have a lot, really something on it. And, and then not get punished for it. Because like I said, he's one of the best talented players in baseball. So I wonder if his approach in those at-bats is, necessary, is good. Um, but at the same time, you know, it's Bryce Harper. Uh, the, the numbers aren't good. And I mean, 33 career at-bats, I mean, that's not a big sample size, but it's not a really small one either. So, I mean, it's just kind of one of those things that unfortunately Braves fans are going to have to deal with. Um, but as far as I mean, that, that's pretty much the only guy that comes to mind that's really kind of gotten the Julio consistently. So, I mean, it's kind of one of those it is what it is type things. Yeah, I just wanted to even when when you see it's, it's 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 really bad. Yeah, yeah, the slugging percentage over a thousand. Uh, that's not that's not an OPS. That's a slugging percentage by itself. Uh, it's kind of uh, just makes it funny and uh, just worth pointing out for the future if and when this Braves team actually becomes competitive enough. It looks kind of like Freddie. It looks like Freeman's line from like last week. It's unreal. Yeah, Freeman has been. Uh, Absurd. Um, he did reach base on 12 straight, oca- 12 straight occasions last week to set a, a Braves record. Um, he actually went 0 for 4 on Sunday and still has absurd numbers. He has a 238 WRC plus after an 0 for 4 game. So that kind of tells you how crazy Freddie's been. That, that uh, is silly. Yeah. Yeah. It's 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 nuts. I mean, it's not sustain. I know it's not sustainable. But like, do you think like do you buy into Freddie as like an, an actually like an uber elite hitter? Because for the last calendar year, like he's the best hitter in baseball. And I'm not sure he's that, but there's an argument now that he might be one, one of the five, seven best hitters in the league. Is that sustainable, you think? Uh, I mean, I, he certainly is in the conversation. The, the thing that you like is that, you know, he's not they're, – they're not cheap hits. You know, he's not a guy that's like, you know, like getting seeing-eye singles. You know, he's just – he's hitting line drives all over the field, and his power to both fields is, is crazy good. Uh, I think that by the numbers um, – and we might talk about this in a bit – is I, th- I think that SunTrust Park is a good place for him, which is going to help. Uh, just in terms of like you know, if we're wanting to see what his WRC plus or you know how he ranks against the rest of the league in terms of numbers, I think that's going to help him. Uh, but just he's for the last, I mean, I guess since from the second half last year until now, he's just he hits hard line drives. Uh, he hits lefties well. He, I mean, and obviously he hits righties well. I mean, he's because he's again been one of the best hitters. Um, is he going to do this all year? Absolutely not. But I mean, and I, I struggle to think that he'd ever be like a 300 hitter. I mean, like 280, 290 with like one of the best WRC pluses in the game because he hit, he just makes so much hard contact is not that far off for me. Um, I think he's kind of going to be a guy for the foreseeable future where he can be like in an MVP discussion. Um, it just it just kind of depends, you know, if he gets on a re- like you know like he started the year is probably the best hitter in baseball, right? You know, if he can like string together a, a, string together a couple streaks where he does that, I don't know if anyone else is going to be able to keep up with him. If that's the case, but if he ends up just turning into a regular Freddie that we kind of know with those streaks, that's still a very good offensive year, you know. And and I mean, he, he's in the conversation. It's hard to say, right? I mean, like some of the best hitters in baseball right now are like are slumping terribly. So, you know, small sample size warning, you know, is worth taking into consideration. But you'd rather you'd certainly rather be hitting him hitting well now when pitchers usually have an advantage over hitters uh, than you would than you know, if he was like you know start the year like two for twenty or something like that like he started last year. 
it, this doesn't matter at all, but coming into Sunday, this is before the before the 0 for 4, that's worth noting, but he already had 1.5 Fangraphs war uh, on April 22nd. He, he, he's been nuts. Which is, again, that's unsustainable, but Freddie is uh, really, really good at baseball. And listen, he's 27 years old. Like, this might just be... Uh, then I mean I don't want to say the new normal, but like this this should be his prime. I mean this is his physical prime in terms of uh, as at the plate. So it wouldn't be a surprise to see him have a I guess a better year than last year. Which I you know coming into the year I, I said it would not be a shock to me if la- if 2016 was his best season ever. Um, and because and by the way there's no shame in that because he was absolutely awesome no. last year. Um, no. But he might he might beat it in 2017, which would be nice. Um, well, I mean he's he's well on his way right now for sure, and you know it's. Worth noting that, like, for the last couple of years, he kind of had some weird nagging injuries. Like, he had a mm-hmm. wrist thing, and he had, you know, like, an ankle thing the year before that. Just kind of like these weird nagging injuries. It's possible that, you know, a really, real like, a completely healthy Freddie Freeman is just one of the better hitters in baseball. Is that sustainable? I mean, when you play baseball, you get dinged up. So maybe he's kind of a guy that wants – if everything's firing right, he is he can do this. But, you know, at the same time with, like, you know, some things bothering him, he might not be nearly as good. So – yeah, I mean, we'll, I mean, he's definitely healthy. At least he looks healthy. Yeah, well, he's well if, if he's not healthy, then, you know, keep doing whatever you did to him. You yeah, know, my goodness. Uh, you know, Freddie's Freddy's been incredible, uh, and it's good to focus on him to make your life a little bit happier on this fine uh, Sunday evening. With that said, uh, people keep asking me, and I know it's too early to talk about this, but we haven't. I've, I've purposely spent the last two weeks on ignoring it on the podcast, but I'm putting you on the spot along with myself now. Uh, people think that SunTrust Park is just a hitter's park now, for sure. Uh, it's still too early to say that, but it certainly feels like it's going to be one that might help Freddie in the future as well as some other people. But um, do you, does it feel that way to you? I, I, I guess some of these uh, some of these lazy fly balls that are getting out of the park. There was one on the, on the night that I was there. The, I believe it was from Adonis Garcia that I could not believe left the ballpark while being in the building. Is it feeling like to you that it might be uh, a strong hitter's park? Is that I guess I know it's too early, but I guess I have to ask. I think generally speaking, it's going to be a favorable hitter's park for left-handers. Um, now, what I've I asked, I've talked to a few people about it, and the, the I mean, it's right there on Windy Hill Road, and there, there's a reason why the name of that road is what it is because there is usually some wind out there, <laughs> um, and you would think they would just be in all different directions, but from what I understand is that generally speaking, the direction of the park, it, I don't think it was chosen by accident. I think that. The, when I was there, the wind was blowing out to left, but it was kind of like uh, it was kind of like left to right. Uh, I mean, it was blowing out to right, and it was blowing left to right. So, and that seems to be what, from what I've seen, you know, again, usual small sample size stuff. That that seems to be where the wind goes. Um, so, in, in that sense, I think it's going to be a hitter's park. I don't think there's anything about the dimensions that's like super favorable pitchers or hitters because the right field dimensions are in, but the wall is also higher. So, you know, that means you really have to kind of get under the ball more. Does that, what does that mean? I don't know, but I, I didn't notice anything that was super out of the ordinary, but I will say that there was a, there was a bit of a breeze and I feel like that maybe based on that location that there's going to be some wind, if that's something that's a consistent thing, then, you know, that, that's where I would point to it being slightly a hitter's park but i know that some folks were saying that they thought it was gonna be slightly pitcher friendly and that's just not true at all yeah that was the thing that sort of struck me was that we all heard that coming in before yeah. baseball was ever played there that it might be uh more pitcher friendly and the people that i've talked to that are there all the time um that i you know get some information from it feels like you know just, like I, all, all you keep hearing is that the ball just jumps and and you throw in that relatively short porch and right, right center that freddie freeman's already talked about the how, how, he, how yeah. much he enjoys the 375 and right center or whatever it is like that um, it might just be. Uh, I mean, it's not going to be course feel or anything, but it might no. be. Uh, it's going to be favorable, I think. 
Uh, yeah, it's and it's it. I will say this: I, I was there for batting practice, and there wasn't like balls getting launched out all the time. So well, good because that, that's that's the thing for me. I mean, not not, not to cut you off, but like I, I don't want it to be like crazy no. one way or the other. I like I like it to be somewhere in the middle, and even if it just leans one way, and we kind of know which way it leans, I just don't want it to become like even like you know Chase Field or Great American Ballpark, where like it's not quite coarse, but it's a very very strong hitters park. I'd rather it somewhere yeah. or like a White Sox room. park where like you hit the ball and like a pop up, all of a sudden the wind catches it and it goes four hundred feet somehow. Yeah, yeah, I, I, I don't want that. I mean, it might I guess it might happen down the line if you know, especially when the wind's flowing. I mean, I guess the concern is that this early in the year when it's not hot yet, the ball's already jumping like that, then you could be uh, in some trouble because normally when it gets hot stuff the ball starts flying out a little bit more but we'll we'll see maybe i don't know it's a tough thing it's tough to say it, it is it, it's too early we know that but uh worth talking about because people keep asking so i wanted to say it sure. at least a little bit here um before we get into some minor league stuff i want to talk to you about a couple a couple of major league things uh this is this one's more just because it angers me and i want to tee you up but why does brian snicker keep hitting adonis garcia at number two in the lineup why <laughs> why, why, does, um, why does he do this yeah, to me, Eric? Why? Life is pain, Brad. Life, Life is, is pain. pain. Uh, no, uh, look, Adonis Garcia. It's almost like he has like one game or hits one ball or makes one play at third base well enough that it seems like Snicker sees it and goes, "Ah, he's finally coming around." You know what I mean? Like he'll make like one good play at third base or he'll hit one home run in a big in a in a good spot, and then you're like, "See, he, he, this is the guy we think he can be." The guy's like. In his 30s, and for the most part, can't play third base well, and he is at best a platoon player on a bad team. Now, I'm not sure if the Braves are a good team, so maybe he is a platoon player on the Braves, but he shouldn't. He, he's not. He's not in the top five best hitters in this lineup, and somehow he's in the spot where we would probably put our best hitter if given the the, the opportunity. I'm. I'm. At this point, I would rather just give either give Real Ruiz a shot or, you know, basically almost anyone else at this point. You know, maybe try to go find someone else because he he can give away at bats. He's he's net negative on as a defender. I'm I'm kind of just over him. Uh, so why Snicker does it, I have no earthly idea. I think he's under the assumption that you know putting him in a different place in the lineup will you know magically give him powers and hitting ability that he's never had, but. Yeah, I'm at a loss. You know, he's he's not he's not a particularly fun player for me to watch. Uh, is is Rio Ruiz down in Gwinnett? Is he a better option? I think I would enjoy watching him more if for no other reason that at the very least Rio is a capable defender and I think he'd hit right right handers well, but or reasonably well anyway. But I'm I mean just you kind of count me out on the Adonis stuff. There's there's an interesting thing that he that Snicker's been doing even in the media and he's talked about they of course moved Dansby Swanson down out of the two hole to I guess to try to jumpstart him but in the same breath they moved Garcia who was also struggling mightily by the way up to the two hole and then talk about how he could be aided by some sort you know quote unquote lineup protection of Freddie Freeman as if Dansby wasn't aided by the same thing I don't know it's just a lot of inconsistency from Snicker and listen it's just I understand that line construction doesn't matter as much as I tend to talk about it but like there, for instance there was a there was a, I think it might have been Friday maybe even Saturday I can't remember which one it was but Garcia was easily the worst hitter in the lineup and he was hitting in the number one position in the lineup which is number two so it's it's absolutely insane um, to, on the bright side on Sunday Garcia did not play it should be noted but Snit went to Brandon Phillips in the two hole, and with the way Phillips has been swinging, that's uh, advisable. I'm, I actually wanted to ask you about Phillips too because I, come, I came into the year kind of negative on Phillips, and look, and he, he's been great so far, and he had two more hits on yeah, Sunday. He, 
Yeah, and he looks good in the field too. I mean, like he's not—he's not the guy he like defensively. He's not the guy he used to be, where he was, you know, a web gem waiting to happen a lot of times because he's, you know, he's also very like theatrical. You know what I mean? Like he—he'll—he'll—he'll—he'll yes. he'll, he'll, he'll spin around and he'll—he'll he'll show off a little bit. But he's—you know—he's been great. He's been stealing bases too. I think he's like third in the like National League in stolen bases now, uh, which blows my mind. But <laughs> yes. um, yeah, I mean, he, but he's—he's he's been doing everything right. I mean, he was one of the better players on the field when I saw him the Sunday I went. Uh, he just was just playing really well. Um. I, you know, I'm glad that Snicker decided to put him in the two hole because he's definitely been, that's a good spot for him right now, at least the way he's hitting. Uh, but there's a real, it, it's really concerning because, you know, a lot of us, you, know, you and I included, when they brought Snicker in, they, we wanted someone that maybe was a little bit more forward thinking tactically or at least wasn't just Freddie Garcia with a different uniform number on. We didn't want, we, we didn't, we didn't want, we didn't want Freddie Gonzalez again, right? And, Tactically speaking, I mean, it's there's the same, not. It's the same um, stuff. There, 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 there's <laughs> no, there, it's the same bullpen management. It's the same running. You know, I mean, like, there has to be someone else in pinch hitting situations that's better than Emilio Bonifacio in these in these like big bases loaded situations. There, I mean, I, I have to I have to believe that there has to be someone else on the bench that can do that and that hasn't done that. It, it, does he have a different demeanor? And do the players seem to like playing for him? I, I think so. But he's he's not gaining. We, we're not gaining any value from any managerial decisions that are being made. Um, every once in a while, he'll like bring in who he thinks his best reliever is in the eighth inning or something like that, and that's something that Freddie never did. But there's a concern that I have that as the course of the year, we're going to give away more and more, I guess, opportunities on the field because our manager is either stuck in a very specific way of thinking that is not conducive to being successful against other teams that are thinking for in a forward thinking way and can you know engineer things better than we can so it's not something I've, that, that that's an issue that maybe that's one of the reasons why the braves only gave you know only gave the one-year contract to him to kind of see how he actually did whenever he had the reins for a full year but it's it, it hasn't been very inspiring to watch in terms of like the managerial decisions that have been made yeah, that's that's a good way to put it. Uh, we'll we'll see how it goes moving forward, but I've not been impressed. That's that's one thing that I will say. I'm, and this stuff off the field, it does it does matter. It always matters more than I oh, more yeah. than I want to talk about. And people seem to like Snicker, but uh, on the field, the stuff, the stuff that we can see, the tactical stuff, the strategic stuff, uh, it's not gone particularly well. I will say that. Um, but it's a small sample. Maybe he'll somehow improve. I'm skeptical of that, and I think that's one of the reasons, as you just said, that they didn't invest fully in him, which kind of drove me crazy at the time because either hire a guy or you don't, and they kind of took the half measure, which I didn't like. But still, um, I don't want to go get too deep into that again. It's just worth noting that uh, things are going going wrong that uh, could be avoided. And that's all, that's all we'll say <laughs> about yeah, that. Agreed. Agreed. Um, agreed. Before we get out of Major League, Major League land, I wanted to ask you, how, how do you feel about the last couple of days? Uh, Aaron Blair was up as a long man. He went back down. Matt Whistler was up after that to replace him. Are you okay with those guys kind of ping-ponging back and forth into the uh, emergency long relief? Well, of course, it was created by sort of a bullpen need, so I understand that. But uh, do you are you okay with those two guys in particular being the guys who are going to go up and down and become the long men when they need that? Well, I know I know that Callmenter uh, wasn't available, and that's one of the reasons why they called Blair up first. Yeah. Um, I don't I don't think Blair minded. Uh, everything I've heard, he didn't. It was it was kind of understood that it was going to be a short term thing. Uh, I don't think he's going to miss a start because of it. And honestly, I mean, his first start in AAA was a disaster. It was really bad. But ever since then, he's actually looked pretty good. Uh, his delivery is different. He you know, when he was in the majors, he kind of like whenever his delivery, he would like have like a long coil. He'd like almost twist all the way backwards and then throw. 
Uh, he's like gotten rid of a lot of that noise, and he's locating his fastball bat much better, and his sliders looked good. So I, I was kind of hoping that you know maybe he was going to be sticking around for a little bit longer. Uh, now Matt Whistler, on the other hand, um, if you need a bullpen guy and you just need him for a couple days, I guess that's fine because you want maybe you want Blair to get the start. You know, make sure he doesn't miss his start. But Whistler, his home run problem is really really bad um he, when he gives up you look at every game he's get played this year i mean it's two or three home runs every game you know, he's leaving his pitches up and you know he has a, he has a real slider that he can use as a weapon but his fastball location is like middle middle and you know when he's not he's not throwing particularly hard so all he's doing is throwing batting practice to some of these guys who know how to hit and this is just against triple a hitters so i'm 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 much, much lower on Whistler at this point now, uh, but I do see a potential for Blair to do something potentially still as a starter. Um, that's more of a wait-and-see type thing, but I, I, right now with Whistler, I just I don't see I, – I, I see little to no hope uh, that he's ever going to be anything just because he can't keep the ball in the yard. He's, he's too hittable, and he's just going to get knocked around by these big league hitters. Yeah, the command's just not good enough. He has to be perfect to pitch well because of the stuff just not being that good. It's been my concern for a while. And I know we have a couple of guys who really like him. Carlos likes him. Um, Zach Diller likes him. Guys that I guys that I respect. But it's, I just don't get it, honestly, at this point in time. And I, I liked uh, – the profile is okay. It's just that he has to be perfect. Whenever, when, when everything goes right because you have to paint right. the corner. You have to paint the corners with his stuff. You have to go like – if you want to be in the – you know, if you want to be in the middle, like, you know, from top to bottom, if you want to be in the middle, you need to be in – or you need to be on the outside corner because you can't just pipe it in them down the middle. He doesn't have that kind of stuff. There's no, there's not real run in his fastball. His changeup is fine as a change of pace pitch, and his slider is legitimately good. But if you're sitting on his fastball and you once it comes, it, there's no, it's not doing anything that's going to fool you. Well, it's yeah, just not. So. it's it's the situation where I mean, for instance, like he's he's allowing almost almost a home run and a half per nine innings in the majors. Um, and it's not that it's not that small of a sample, but like his 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 control was good, like by a regular star standard. He's only walking three guys per nine in his major league career, but he has to be a guy who walks like one and a half per nine, just because he cannot give up base runners because he's always going to give up. Even if he fixes the home run problem, so to speak, he's always going to give up more than you want because of the fact that he's so hittable. If he misses at all, it's going to be meat for other people, and he just has to be an elite control guy. He's just not elite. He's good enough to, like, be a, you know, he's a major league-ish pitcher. Like, he's not an embarrassment on the mound. Like, he has a career 4.88 ERA. That's not good at all, but it's not like you can't function. Like, he could be a fifth starter for a bad team, I guess. But aside from that, in terms of, like, upside, where, where this rotation's probably headed with all the guys that they have competing for these spots in the future, I just, I don't really see that spot for him. I just don't. I'm with you. Uh, well, anyway, I want to at least get that out there because it's sort of a news item too that those guys were uh, up and down, and uh, Whistler, I guess, is still on the team as we record this, so we'll see how long he lasts up. Up, but uh, yeah, that was it was all spurred on by Cole Butcher being unavailable, but still, the fact that they went went ahead and brought Whistler up again after they sent Blair down was kind of uh, I don't know if that it wasn't that weird, but it was uh, at least noteworthy that he that they were able and willing to do that. Um, one more thing about calls from AAA. We mentioned Ryan Howard at the top. Uh, he looked good in Gwinnett in his debut, but you know what does that mean? Uh, are you are you at all excited about Howard? Is he a guy that like could function? Obviously, he's a non-defensive entity entity, but he also would probably be the best hitter on the bench right now in the major league. So, do you think he can be up anytime soon? We talked we were talking about this like probably two weeks ago, and he didn't even appear in Gwinnett all over the weekend. So, I guess it's the timeline sort of funny. But do you think he can be helpful when and if he arrives? Um, we had uh, Jeff Jones, uh, one of our writers, he saw Ryan down in uh, Extended, 
And he said that you know he looked he looked fine. He was he was still trying to get in game shape. And now that he's in Triple A, meaning obviously he's only had one game, but he looked good there. I don't know. How do I put it? I don't. I mean, I would put him on the bench right now anyway. I wouldn't. It wouldn't matter to me in the slightest if we did that or not because he. I mean, right now the bench is so bad that having someone that at least has some that has some ability to put fear in pitchers and make them understand that the. You know, there's going to be consequences for you know just throwing strikes that he can still turn around on a pitch, uh, even if he can't do it as much as he used to. I mean, I don't think he needs to stay in Gwinnett long because honestly, he's not competing against anyone that <laughs> he's not competing against anyone on that bench that's really going to have a long baseball career beyond this year. Regardless, I just don't know how that affects certain other roster decisions, like you know who's going to be backup center fielders and in the outfield and things like that. So I'm hopeful, but that he'll be up soon because I just rather have a bat that is worth something uh, on the bench. But also, I mean, all he would be doing is backing up Freeman and because you can't, I mean, you can't put, you can't put Ryan Howard in the outfield. I just don't see you that. You can't being, put him oh, anywhere. No, he's, yeah, he's a you, pure you bench can't. bat, which listen, I mean, it's, it's kind of funny to talk about it because uh, I'm all about some versatility on the bench. Um, but as bad as the bats are, like you just have to have a single pinch hitter right now. You just don't have yep. that. I mean, how, how long can you, I mean, even, Scenario now that Snicker keeps using Bonifacio is infuriating anyway on a number of levels, but it's not as if he has a good option. I mean, there are better options than Bonifacio, um, but that's a low bar to clear. And I think you know when your when your best bench bat is either you know if Tyler Flowers is off that day, it's Tyler Flowers, and if it's not, it's probably what Jace Peterson. That's terrifying. You have to you have to have somebody else to pinch hit in a big spot, and they just don't have anyone right now. So yeah, nope. call, call up Ryan Howard as soon as he's even close to ready. I, I'm with you on that all the way. And I'm not sure they'll yeah, do me, it. Me, yeah, and you know there, I, I, there's nothing you lose if it doesn't work out. You know, right. I mean he's not you didn't you didn't sign him to big a big money deal or anything like that. But there, there, there's real upside with Ryan because you know there are games where a lot of these games where if we just needed two runs driven in. I mean. Ryan's not good at a lot of things, but he can hit a ball far. So, <laughs> yes, um, Braves fans know that too well because, uh, of course, he's uh, famously well, tormented the Braves for a long time. But he's not that guy anymore. But uh, at least has power. There's no question about that. He's a, he's a terrifying guy, the, especially against right-handed pitching. You don't, you don't want to see him if you're the opposition in the box. No, he, he, SunTrust would treat him well too. Absolutely. If he is a, even a even a I don't even know if he's eighty percent of his old self, then he'd be terrifying in yeah, that park. Um, uh, I'm not sure for it. Eighty, <laughs> maybe sixty percent. Fifty percent, something. I don't know if he's uh, a functional result. So. Yeah, it still would be the best bench bat by far on this team. That's a low bar, but yes. Um, well, <laughs> I, I have to ask you about some minor league stuff. Uh, you of course have the podcast, and I expect you to plug uh, vociferously on this uh, on on this show. But I'm not uh, good at the plugging, Brandon. I know I'll do it for you later if you don't do it well <laughs> yourself. Um, but I saw you were in Rome a little bit recently, so talk to me yep. about that and uh, anything that's like sort of either surprised you or encouraged you or even terrified you uh, that you've seen in the minor league level in, le- in the next couple of weeks. Uh, sure. Um, it's been it's been a lot of fun to start the year. Uh, it's always fun just like when all the teams get started, you kind of know where everyone is and you get to see how you I mean the, the, the best part for us is like, you know, we have to kind of guess where these guys are going to go and how they're going to do. Uh, and a, a lot of it is just kind of hopes and prayers because you uh, a full off season with these guys that especially they're so young, their bodies change, their workout regimens change, you know, and you don't know exactly how healthy they were to end the year. You're not really 100 percent sure how healthy they are to go into the year. Um, so it's been a lot of fun for us. Um, I started, we, we kind of spread out a bit. Um, 
Jeff was in, he saw a couple of Fire Frogs games. Uh, I saw the home opener at Rome and as well as the, the Saturday game after that. Uh, Garrett, I think, has already been to Gwinnett. Uh, the only place that we haven't had eyeballs on uh, in terms of live has been Mississippi just because it's so far away. Um, but luckily, with the move to Fire Frogs to Florida, we actually have you know someone that's like you know within the time zone uh, to actually see them. Um, Rome was interesting because that team is really weird. There's like sixty runners on that team. There's like I'm sorry. There's like six or seven runners on like base runners on that team. They're like sixty to seventy grade. <laughs> they're all they're all super fast. But then you have Darian Cruz, Christian Pache, Randy Ventura. Um, let's see, and there's and th- those are just those are kind of the main names, right? But we all oh, and Anthony Seymour, who's a legitimate eighty grade yeah, runner. Yeah, he's absurd. I've yeah, seen he's he's so fast. Uh, and then and then there's guys like Marcus Mooney who are really quick, Kevin Josephino who are really quick. I mean, and all they do is just kill people with singles. Like it it is all singles all the time with like Christian Pache and Anthony Concepcion occasionally hitting a double, Juan Yepes occasionally hitting a double, and like but other than that they're just running wild in low A. Uh, so they're really fun to watch. Um, Randy Ventura has been kind of a funny guy because you know when he was in the Dominican Summer League he stole like 50 or 60 bases and everyone wanted to know how well he was going to do. It was kind of like a running joke that he was like kind of like the man, the myth, the legend type thing. Uh, but he's definitely thicker I think than he was in the DSL, but he can hit. Uh, he's got really good hands, uh, drives the ball to the opposite field really well. Uh, he's a legitimate prospect, and he's a good right fielder too. Uh, Christian Pache's looked really good in the field. Uh, at, at the plate, it's been kind of hit and miss at times. Uh, the approach on this whole team is a little, you know, you know, it's, it's a swing first, ask, que- ask questions later um, type of fr- approach. They, they, they do strike out a good bit, but they also put the pl- ball in. Pl- they're also like they make enough contact, and once they do, they start, you know, basically every single is a threat to be a double or a triple, so... Uh, the position prospects have looked really fun uh, and really interesting. Um, the two pitchers I saw started pitching anyway. Uh, I saw Jeremy Walker. Uh, he was holding 93, 95 into like the fifth or sixth inning when I was there. Uh, fastball was a little flat. Uh, it seemed kind of hittable, but he was spotting it pretty well and the breaking ball was pretty good. Uh, so he was kind of a, it was, it was kind of a little bit of a surprise to see how good he was. Joey Wentz is an interesting pitcher because. I wasn't super impressed. I thought his fastball was pretty flat, and he was only throwing. I, I never saw a pitch on a gun higher than ninety-one for him. Um, but he was, you know, he was moving the ball around in the zone enough, and that's kind of what he's been doing all year. Just kind of, you know, like his, he he he'll locate his pitch. He, he's not like a dedicated like I pitch to the outside type of guy or I pitch up or anything like that. He he does move the ball around a good bit, and the breaking ball looked pretty good. Um, so uh, that's what I saw. That I mean, the, the relievers, you know, there's kind of is what it is. They've they've had to do a lot of work recently because uh, they it seems like Rome's constantly in these games where like you know gets the extra innings and it's like one game the other day was like 18 innings and that was the night that I had to recap and I was not happy. Um, but yeah, it was it was it was a long it was a long day. Um, but you know they with low A, you know it's you 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 are. Operating under the assumption that these are all basically most of them are right at this point are teenagers or have barely played any full season ball, so I don't treat too many conclusions. But Ian Anderson has looked great. Uh, he's striking out batters at a really high clip. Um, you know, a little bit, a little bit wild right now, just a little bit. Uh, he's walking a few guys, but nothing, nothing that's too much of a red flag. And his stuff has looked really, really good. Uh, breaking ball and fastball, especially. Um, now, if we're just talking about guys in general that I've really liked, Alex Jackson is hitting the cover off the ball. I mean, he's. I, I I had it pulled up earlier, but I think his like his OPS is like almost a thousand, 
Yeah, I was, that, that was the guy I was going to ask you about specifically because that's the name that people keep asking uh, me and the Talking Chop account about. And it's, I mean, it's a, it's a, he's a big name, but also sort of a buy low that the Braves did. So uh, I saw the numbers. Obviously, I will defer to you on scouting stuff, but uh, it seems pretty encouraging, at least early on. Uh, he looks 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 really good. I mean, I, I think he's like striking out maybe at a, like a little less than a quarter uh, quarter of the time, which is not really what you want to see, especially since I think he's only walked twice. But he's also kind of he's making really good loud contact and he's working deep counts. Uh, the nice thing about the Firefrog, well, the bad thing about the Firefrogs is that they don't have an MILB TV stream. Uh, nothing, no one in the Florida State League really has you know video streams of them, which is really infuriating. But their audio stream is excellent. So you kind of get a good idea as to kind of what's happening in the bats, and you know it gives you at least some semblance of what's going on. And between what I've asked a few people how he's lo- how he's looked at the plate, uh, as well as kind of following that, you know he's working deep counts. It doesn't seem like he has an approach problem. Uh, it doesn't seem like his swing is super long. He's just he's been really really good. He's he, he I think he went hitless today, but I think he's had three games all year where he hasn't gotten a hit. He's just had constant streaks over and over again, uh, doing really really well. Um. And, you know, hitting for power, hitting for average. You know, right now I think he's hitting like 320, 330, something like that. You know, he's just doing really well. And more importantly, behind the plate, he's probably played a little less than half the games there. Uh, and his pitchers love him. He's calling good games. You know, when they're struggling, he will. He seems to, like, be able to kind of rein them back in and start calling pitches to kind of get them back and get their confidence back. And, you know, I don't think he's trying to do too much back there. And he hasn't I – mean, I think he has one pass ball, maybe a couple errors, you know, a couple throwing errors. Uh has caught a couple base stealers. He hasn't caught guys at like a high, high clip, but you know, considering a guy who hasn't caught since high school, I mean, that's for, and for an organization that desperately needs a catching prospect, he's a really good one. Uh, and I think that there's, he's gotten better and better behind the plate defensively that he's, he's going to jump up, jump up some lists in terms of prospects this year. And he's really, really good start so far. Um, pitching wise. I mean, to the surprise of absolutely no one, here we go. Uh, Mike Soroka is really good at baseball. Bro. Yes, yes. Really, Give it to really, me. Uh, uh, okay. Well, for to be fair, Colby Allard also really, really good at baseball. That whole rotation is ridiculous down in Mississippi. For any of our listeners who are in Mississippi, just go to Pearl and just watch any of the, any of those guys. Any of them's fine because they're all so good uh, and they're 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 so fun to watch for all of them are for different reasons. But Mike's just not giving up anything, and it, it's it's hilarious because the first start I saw. The strike zone, this umpire, was easily two-thirds the normal strike zone. It was, he wasn't giving up anything on the outside, right? Just like if it was on the outside corner, it was a ball. It didn't matter. I, Mike's given up, I think, six hits all year so far. Uh, <laughs> yeah, so if, uh, first, he had a, first he had a five shutout innings, I think. The next one, he gave up one earned run where he was, it was with one out left in the game. He was, it, was a, it was a doubleheader, and he was in the seventh inning. And the last hitter, he left a ball up, and the guy hit a solo home run. But that was the first hit – or I'm sorry, the first run he had given up all day. And I think it was the third hit all day, and he struck out a bunch of guys. And then this last game, he gave up two runs, but it was – he gave up uh, – he hit up – in his last inning, he hit a batter, gave up his first hit of the day, which was a triple, scoring that runner, and the other runner scored on a wild pitch. He didn't give up another hit in that game. Bat- batters are batting 108 against him. Is that good? Seems pretty good. Yeah, I mean, and, and he's striking out batters. He's just he looks, he, and he's the guy that we I've been preaching about for a long time. He's a, you know, he's a command and control guy. His stuff is better than he get, that people give him credit for. He doesn't have Tukey's 
or Freed's curve, and he doesn't have Weigel's or or Newcomb's fastball that runs up 98. But he changes speeds well. He knows how to pitch, and his changeup is so much better this year. It's really keeping bat- batters can't sit on you know can't sit on his fastball because that changeup is going to eat him. Uh, and he's and he's throwing strikes and guys are really off balance. He gets some really ugly swings on pitches that you wouldn't expect him to get really ugly pitches uh, swings and misses on. Uh, he's striking out more batters this year than he was last year. Um, I thought that a move up, like a, an aggressive move up, might help him a bit because you know he's not just going up. He's not against low way hitters or just you know you know swinging and praying because there's not there's not a whole, as much of a thought process because they haven't really learned how to hit yet. These are guys who are going to try to outthink Mike, and it's just not going to work. So, you know, he's going to be able to outthink them and get them to do things that they don't want to do. So really excited how he started the year. The whole Mississippi rotation has been excellent, but uh, in particular, Colby and Mike have really been really, really good. Yeah, we actually got a question uh, from Patrick Mollett on Twitter. I appreciate the question, Patrick. Um, he asks, uh, you know, he basically says, it's still early, assuming Allard and Soroka do well. Should the Braves keep them both in AA all season, regardless of how well they do? I guess people are trying to already start pushing these guys, but it's worth, uh, I, um, worth asking. I mean, it, all, it, it depends a lot what happens in, in AAA more than anything. I don't think that if you aggressively promote pitchers to AA, that moving them up to AAA is going to matter much either way, if that makes any sense. If, they're, if they do really well in AA, then they're probably going to be competing for the same slots that they would normally be in spring training next year. Um, it depends, for example, Lucas Sims has been intermittently quite good. This season, he's had a couple. He's, you know, he's, it, it, it hasn't been peak Lucas Sims where he's good for four innings and then he gives up six runs or anything. But you know, has had some inconsistencies. But overall, he's you know he's he's been doing pretty well. Uh, do they move him to the bullpen out of the rotation? Uh, do the do they do something with Sean Newcomb where he gets called up? Um, there's you know, there's questions in that Gwinnett rotation. Uh, Aaron Blair, Matt Whistler, chief among them. Um, if there's openings that open up, I think a guy like Patrick Weigel, who's a little bit older, would be inclined to get promoted first and again all these guys have been pitching well so it's not like a a huge you know consideration one way or the other other than maybe like you know like age and wanting to be able to get give guys enough time and reps and things like that um freed being another one because he's already on the 40-man roster uh although he hasn't he's actually had a really rough start to the year um you know it's if they're pitching really well, do you move them up? Maybe, but like I said, I think there's a lot with moving the guys from AA to AAA. I think it has a lot more to do with going on with the AAA roster than anything else because there's not really that much of a reason to move them to AAA. Yeah, I mean, sense. is it? It's sort of always the question. Like people always treat. I mean, this makes sense. They treat it linearly to be going from AA to AAA, but a lot of times, you know, the top prospects are not in AAA. They're normally nope. a little bit lower. So I don't know. It wouldn't be that big of a deal. And with that said, I can't imagine them pushing them too well, especially because you know a lot of the. Uh, a lot of the reason I don't want to say a lot. Maybe some of the reason to have a guy in in Gwinnett is to have him close to the big league club, and neither one of those guys are coming up anytime soon uh, to the big league club because they're still incredibly young. So I, it would surprise me if they wanted to push. Because uh, listen, pushing those they're guys, both going to be nineteen until say, August, Brad. Them being them, be, them being in Double A right now is pushing them. To be honest, I mean, given no, no, their age, the, I, I was I I we we knew that Freed was going to go. And I was sure that Weigel was going to stay there because he ended the year like – I think he made two or three starts for Mississippi at the end of the year. Uh, I knew they were going to be there. I was genuinely shocked. I, I thought that the, the high A to double A jump I understand a lot more as moving him up wanting to get more experienced competition again, get a more, get against more experienced competition. Uh, to move them up right to double A was kind of shocking to me given how young they are. But I talked to at least – I think I talked to five different players and said that those two guys had – unbelievable springs unbelievable springs and that's why they got bumped up they actually uh i heard a rumor that 
uh, Allard, Soroka, and Austin Riley had already got an apartment together in Orlando. And then they got the call saying they were going to Mississippi instead. So wow. now Austin Riley – so Austin Riley had to like, you know, get uh, – that, that, that's the rumor I heard whether or not it's true or not. Is completely different, but you know it's it's just hilarious to me that you know I mean like I th- I think that those guys really showed out in the spring and you know they're now they're doing it in the regular season and it's really fun to watch. For sure, uh, and listen, it's always good. It's exciting when the big league club, especially, is struggling to look down and see all this uh, incredible talent in the uh, minors. And it's always it's it's better to have that than the way that it used to be. Even you know three four years ago when it was uh, you know Sean Sean Go Martin and uh, uh, who oh else yeah, was who else was it? It was oh, the, uh, J R uh, Graham. We got J R Graham. Uh, Christian Bethencourt was the number one guy for a while. Uh, t- uh, uh, Todd, um, Todd Cunningham. We've got, um, oh, there's, there's some real gems. I got think, uh, oh, there was a, another guy who, whose name I can't remember now, but he was like, he was like a first round pick in like 2011 and he was around forever, but he's no longer with the organization. Yeah, there was a lot, there was a lot going on. So it's nice to have the, have fun guys to talk about, um, down there. Uh, well, Eric, I appreciate you doing this, man. Uh, please plug your show. If you don't, if you don't do it, then I will, but I'm going to let you try to do it first. All right, I'll try. Uh, each week, we're we're still trying to get it sorted out for how we're going to do it in season because week, weekly recaps, you know, can seem a little bit tedious. Uh, but the the name of our podcast that I do along with Garrett Spain, you might know him as Braves Farm Updates on Twitter, uh, as well as Gaurav Vidak, you may know him as Braves Reddit on Twitter. Uh, we all do a minor league podcast. It's called The Road to Atlanta. Uh, you can follow the podcast on Twitter at at Road the number two Atlanta. Uh, and we, it's basically an hour-long show, and we have guests on sometimes. Uh, hopefully, we're going to be able to get some players on soon. Uh, we've had you know a lot of some we have radio guys. We've had analysts from Baseball America come on as well. Uh, and we just talk, we talk minor league baseball, and this during the season it's going to be a lot of going through what's happened the previous week or two, talking about the developments and these guys, seeing what we're what we're seeing, things we're worried about, things we're not worried about, uh, and really just kind of getting really having really in-depth discussions about the all aspects about minor league baseball. Uh, the the fortunate thing about what we we do is that we can dig we since we don't have to parse too much what's going on in the major league club we can really we can talk about guys that don't necessarily get much coverage from you know national media or even prospect ranking lists because you know those are the kind of guys that can sneak up and be really interesting uh we, we, and it also is a nod to these teams because you know there's gonna be a there are so many players on these rosters that are never going to see the major leagues but that doesn't mean that they didn't do something valuable on the field or something interesting so we really delve into that and we you know we try to tell those stories as well as talk about player development and you know try to pre- give, give useful information and preview guys who we hope will be in atlanta in the next couple of years yeah, for sure. Please, please subscribe to all that fun stuff. And also, uh, Road to Atlanta is hosted on TalkingShop.com. So there's a post uh, that Eric does. I, I believe you write it usually, right? Um, yeah, it goes usually. It goes up after the uh, podcast on, uh, on, on the site. So check that out as well. Um, Eric, uh, again, man, I appreciate you doing this as always. We'll do it again shortly because uh, we're in season and there's like stuff to talk about. It's really, it's really nice. Uh, and it's, it's almost harder for you guys to do well, the minor stuff. Well, I, well, but, I have to catch up with Scott, right? Because I mean, I don't know how many appearances he has on me now, but he definitely has a few now. Yeah, the problem, the problem is, and this is a little bit inside, inside baseball, is that I, I don't sleep and Scott is on West Coast time. So we can record at like 11 p.m. and it's for me and it's great because Scott's awake. But uh, yeah, you, I, you're definitely number two. I mean, aside from Carlos, it's Scott, and then it's you in terms of uh, appearances. But yeah, we'll have to see if you can catch us. Okay, catch okay, first, here. Okay, okay, first of all, I, I heard the waiver in your voice when you said I was the number two. No, so I was I think, trying to do the math. Like, am I missing somebody? No, I think that's true. I have, I have a funny story. So we 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 did the podcast where we previewed every single minor league roster that was released. Oh yes. We started recording that at like 
10.30 at night, and it was a two-hour podcast that I then had to edit that night. <laughs> oh, yeah. I know the, I know the feeling well. Uh, for those of you that don't know, I also host a daily Atlanta Hawks podcast. You're um, mute. So, yeah, there's some, right. there's some late-night stuff going on for sure. But uh, listen, I'll have to have you on more. I'll take full responsibility for not having you on uh, lately. No, it's Carlos's fault. No, it's Carlos's fault. It's fine. I'm oh, fine everything, everything is always Carlos's fault. But uh, yeah. I, I do want to have you on more often uh, now that we <laughs> have uh, broken the seal since you started your own podcast. I wanted to let that simmer a little bit, let people focus on that a little bit. Oh, but. no. I, I, look, I, lo- I love listening to Scott. I love I love when Carlos comes on. I mean, I, I – I, people would get tired of listening to me and reading my stuff anyway. You know what I mean? I, I love listening to all of you. I mean, I, I, and, and it's, and some days, honestly, it's probably better that like, I probably have not given access to a recording device and a microphone because sometimes I get really salty. Uh, in particular, the rumors today that because Ozzy Albies was in the state of New York that the Braves are going to be calling him up. Um, oh my goodness. Uh, yeah. This is a thing. This was a thing I today. That. I missed that actually. Oh uh, no. He, he took an Instagram post and like Gwinnett is playing Rochester. And he, all it was was a picture of, of Ozzy Albee sitting, and it said New York, New York on it, which was clearly like he was either in the city visiting what, since like their game got rained out today, or like he just was to say New York, New York on Instagram. But, you know, one funny Twitter post turned into Ozzy Albee's is going to be called up, and is he going to play third base? And I was like, what is even happening no, right now? No, he is not going to play third base. No, he is not. No, he is not. But somehow it got into Bowman's ear, and he had to clarify that this is not going to be happening. Yeah, so. and if Bowman has to address it, you know, Bowman's the uh, the chief. Well, so. well, well, that, well, that was that was Scott saying, "Please stop this." Oh, <laughs> I'm sure. And Scott has the for, for, somehow Scott has the direct line to Mark Bowman, which I always appreciate about Scott because um, <laughs> it's good. We can get we can get Bowman's comments whenever we need them. So shout out to Mark Bowman. Shout out to you, Eric Cole. I appreciate you doing this, my friend. Absolutely, it was a blast, man. Uh, all right. Well, uh, as for the uh, as for everybody else, we'll be back next week. Uh, hopefully, the Braves will ride the ship by then. And uh, even if they haven't, we'll be here. So stay tuned.